Hello and welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech, the podcast that celebrates the clean tech industry and the people that power it, brought to you by Brightsmith. I'm your host, Jenny Gladman, and across the podcast, I'll be interviewing leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world to explore the opportunities, challenges, and rewards of working in clean tech. From revolutionizing solar panels to overhauling the way we move, in this second season, we'll be exploring the innovations that are sparking sustainable change and fueling a cleaner, greener future, whilst offering some tokens of wisdom to enlighten, engage, and inspire everyone to live their purpose. So today's guest is an entrepreneur who's dedicated himself to creating solutions to solving some of the most pressing challenges facing the world today. Carlton began his career in the solar space, coordinating over 100 installations in the Caribbean before moving to the UK to pursue a master's in business and sustainability. He has a passion for all things electric, for fuel cells, for batteries. He's been recognized as one of the top entrepreneurs in Barbados, named the Shell Young Entrepreneur of the Year, and was even featured in the Forbes 30 Under 30. So fairly impressive stuff. So it's my great pleasure to welcome today's guest, Carlton Cummings, co-founder and CTO of award-winning clean tech, Acceleron. Welcome. Okay, hi. I usually don't think of myself in, in such titles. It sounds overly flattering, but thank you. <laughs> well, they're all very well deserved. Um, so if we want to kick off and just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, where you grew up and, and where your journey's taken you so far. Probably before kind of boring everyone with the life story, um, Carlton Cummings, born and raised in Barbados, so an island boy by by definition. I've always been really excited and interested in making things. So that has kind of led me along an interesting trajectory. Um, in high school, I used to do fine art, technical drawing. Uh, those were my two really high interest subjects and electronics. Uh, when I went into university, it's where I transitioned from the world of, of art and design to engineering. So that's when I, I kind of transitioned into mechanical engineering for my undergrad and um, still along the line of really interested in making things. Um, graduated from mechanical engineering, was really interested in electric vehicles in 2011. That was the launch of the Nissan Leaf and a lot of buzz and hoopla about what electric vehicles could be. And um, no electric vehicles in the Caribbean. So I, I jumped on the bandwagon of the solar electricity industry. So there's solar photovoltaics allowing homeowners and families to transition from fossil fuel powered homes to, you know, solar electricity. Worked in that area for, well, three and a half years. And then I, I really realized there was some more that could be done. And I wanted to study more wide in the area of renewables, clean technology and sustainability. So that's how I ended up doing a master's in the UK, sustainability, entrepreneurship and design. And that kind of led one thing to another, to me starting a battery business in the UK focused on sustainable energy storage. To speak of that very business, so I've been lucky enough to be partnering with Acceleron over the last couple of months and meeting some of your wonderful colleagues. Um, and I think it has a fantastic culture, but also a fantastic mission, vision and purpose. So I think it would be great for you to tell our listeners a bit about Acceleron and 
yeah, you, you got us to the point of starting the business, but what really inspired that? And then who are you as a business? What, what problems are you solving? So Acceleron, I guess from the origin story, it really started with an interest in the electric vehicle industry. While most people and companies were focused on how to scale up and build the technology, um, myself and my, my co-founder were really interested in what happens to these batteries afterward. We knew there was a lot of high reuse potential. We knew there was going to also be a high demand for energy storage for renewables. Um, so we wanted to find out if there was a possibility to reuse electric vehicles for stationary applications at their end of life. From that early research, because we were both involved in uh, low emissions consultancies at that time in the UK, we realized one of the key issues was actually how the batteries were made. They weren't designed with any consideration for end of life, you know, at the end of their lifespan. As a result, it was really hard to reuse the batteries. So we took that insight and we imagined what if you made a battery with a full life cycle in mind, a battery that's designed to be produced repaired, repurposed, and easily recycled. And that's actually where the origin of Acceleron came from, where we wanted to redesign how we make a battery to enable a more sustainable life cycle. I mean, life cycle is a little bit of jargon, but just the, when you think about a product, a product has three typical cycles, when it's made, when it's used, and when it's no longer valuable and needs to be recycled. A lot of times people focus just on one segment, we tried with the battery industry. Our approach was to think about a battery all of the life cycle and make a battery that was that would facilitate all of these cycles. So fundamentally, we as a company, we made batteries that are optimized for serviceability to enable repair, reuse, and recycling. The advantage of that is that it reduces the battery waste problem, which is a looming issue because everybody knows batteries will die. That's just a fact of life. But it also helps to manage the longevity issue with batteries. Because we've made a battery that's really easy to repair, reuse, and recycle, it's also really easy to upgrade, which means as battery technology improves, people who buy our batteries are not stuck with today's technology in five, eight, ten years' time. So that's what we've really been trying to unlock and enable as a company, and that's fundamentally what we do. We make batteries more sustainable. Which is amazing. And I think actually when we have these controversial discussions around batteries, the people who are on the against side, it's often because of that very situation that so many of these batteries are made without contemplating what happens at the end. Um, and if we can get to a stage that that isn't the case, then actually the positives around batteries far, far, far outweigh any negatives. Um, for those of our listeners who aren't as familiar with the battery tech space, is there anything specific that you can share with them about what that looks like as an industry and where it's going? Yeah, definitely. A really important thing to frame is that in what batteries do. Batteries are fundamentally an enabling technology. And it's quite a simple technology that's been around for a very long time. A battery is basically an energy bucket. It allows you to store energy when it's produced to use it when you actually have a need for it. It's really important when you have applications like renewable energy because the sun doesn't stick around at night and the wind doesn't always blow when you want it to. So to really match generation with actual demand, when you come home in the evening and you turn everything on, you need something that sits in the middle that will store when the energy is produced 
and allow you to use it later. Uh, one of the popular types of battery technologies that have really taken off of recent is lithium-ion technology. We do believe that there will be several other forms and chemistries that will appear. Lithium-ion is one of the more popular ones, to be honest, because it has economies of scale. That's used from your cell phone all the way down to that small device, all the way up to electric cars. The world has gotten really good at making them. The challenge is the world has gotten good at making them, but I don't really think very much about what happens to them over time. They're made on a linear production model. You, they, they use quite a few what are called permanent assembly methods. A lot of welding, a lot of gluing, a lot of permanent fastening. It's a lot like that, that device you have that you would really love to fix, but it was never made to be fixed. A cell phone is a great example. Oftentimes the battery dies well before you actually want to change the phone, or should I say the battery degrades to a point where you would love to change the battery, but the way they put the battery inside, it's not valuable for you to try to change the battery. That's almost fine, almost fine at a small scale. But you can see how it exacerbates in a problem when you have a battery big enough to power a house, a battery big enough to power a car, a battery big enough to power an entire facility. So what we have done is that we looked at how you assemble the battery, because the battery is a series of lithium-ion cells, all constructed together to provide a large amount of energy. We looked at how you bring those parts together to use non-permanent assembly methods to make it easier to assemble, easy to disassemble, easy to repair, upgrade, and recycle. And why batteries? What led you specifically to batteries? I know you, your background and your kind of interests were across all of clean tech and solar and batteries and fuel cells. Why was it this one idea that really stuck with you? Well, it, it, it comes back to that whole idea of, of what batteries do for us. A battery is actually quite a boring thing, to be honest. It doesn't, it doesn't really say or do very much when it's behaving well, but it's what enables that's exciting. You know, the transition from petrol and diesel to electric. Uh, I mean, when I think about that, we are living in exciting times where we actually have conversations about how we want to power our lives as individuals. That's not something that many generations had the luxury of, you know, well, I'm thinking about getting this electric car or this plug-in hybrid. It was a petrol or a diesel. The conversation about, you know, why I want to power my house with, that was, you know, this energy provider and that energy provider. But what was coming on the pipe was the same. Now we have the ability to choose as individuals how we power our lives. The reason why I got really excited about the batteries is that the battery is the, the linchpin or the thing that sits in the middle that allows us to take back clean energy and use it when we actually need it. So from the point of view of seeing the future that's coming down the pipeline for civilization, I saw batteries and making batteries less of a problem a really big opportunity for me to contribute something. And I guess speaking of those problems, I know any startup is never easy. Are there sort of specific challenges that yourself and Amrit have faced and had to overcome over the past years in getting Acceleron to where it is today? Yeah, definitely. When it comes to the challenges, uh, they, they, they vary far and wide from engineering challenges to challenges of perception, challenges with funding. But particularly, if I focus on the engineering challenges, getting people to believe that you can, you can achieve something in a different way 
is a lot more difficult than you would believe, especially as engineers, because engineers, we have this perception that, you know, if it makes sense and, and, and you, you can demonstrate that it makes sense, everybody should just do it. That's not really the reality of the world. It actually does take time to persuade people that there is a better way to do something. Even if you have the data, there's still a lot of massaging and coaxing and, and education that's really important. And, and we really have to learn the ability to communicate our message very well from a technical as well as, you know, general narrative point of view. And we also have to learn to develop a lot of patience because it's, it's more of a, a journey or a marathon than it is a sprint. We tend to to uh, appreciate the journey simply because we, we've been able to look back and see the things that we have been able to achieve thus far. We've got our batteries distributed in, in developed and emerging markets, Central America and Africa. That's really important because we know the, the value of, of batteries when it comes to enabling energy. And energy is a key metric for defining development. If a society can gain access to energy cost-effectively and clean energy, it tends to be a strong indicator as to how they can develop as a whole society. So we, us playing a small part in that big mechanism, you know, gives us a bit of a good sleep at night. Even though it's quite hard, you know, massaging and the messaging and the negotiations and yeah. And I guess going back to your home country, I know you actually have some projects going on in Barbados. It must feel kind of great to take your new technology and, and what you've learned and developed and given your life to back home. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, but um, in general, I I sleep well at night knowing that I, I've been able to contribute something. The reason why I say it's double-edged is because oftentimes when I go home, it, it does tend to turn into a work a work session, even though somebody just want to spend time with family and friends. Like, it's a small island, bump into someone, um, let's have a meeting, let's have a chat about this, really keen to understand this. It's a privilege. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, state it as an annoyance in any form or fashion. It just does take up time. <laughs> and, and one thing we have a limited amount of in life is time. And what about in the rest of the world? I know you, a lot of the mission is around supporting everybody and not being, not focusing on just the developed world. So there's a lot of companies out there that are, you know, pressing forward, but very much for Europe or for the States or the most developed parts of Asia. But you're taking these solutions to, to countries that might not have had that um, capability or might not have been able to develop this sort of technology. How has that worked for you? When we think about um, the global transition uh, to clean energy, the, the key word there is global. For, for the transition to really happen, everybody needs to be able to participate. It's not just about the, the well-off countries. So for us, it was quite important to develop a solution. This is really, really interesting from an engineering point of view. Think about your solution, not just in a developed context, but an emerging context. What do emerging markets need to gain access to or be able to leverage the technology. So we took a simple concept based on a fundamental problem. Batteries were not made to facilitate reuse, repair, or recycling. We thought about how you could assemble batteries in a way that makes it easy to assemble them, disassemble them, to enable these things. While developing that, we thought about what tools and what skills are accessible or existing in emerging markets 
that we could build our battery around. Simple fasteners that are readily available, you know, fastening techniques that are already very familiar, methods of distribution that exist in emerging markets as well, and avoiding really flashy, expensive technology and embedding that into our products has been a really key component. And we find that because we've developed our battery in a really simple, straightforward fashion, it makes it easy for these batteries to be made even in emerging markets. More importantly, it gives them and empowers them with the ability to maintain the products that they supply with their customers. That's really important when it comes to batteries for renewable energy, especially because a solar panel has a 20 year lifespan, a wind turbine 15 plus years. So batteries, they usually, when they supply batteries to homeowners and businesses, they will be interacting and engaging with that company or that family for a long period of time. So it's really important that they have the ability to service and maintain the product to maintain their relationship. So we've thought about the batteries and what we do in that sense as well. Just It's always useful not to think about what you're developing just as a technology and the concept of unlocking sustainability with batteries. Think about the people that use it, you know. This guy, he has access to these types of, of resources in the Caribbean or in Africa. There's no Amazon Prime, so the concept of ordering another battery on the next day doesn't exist. But the skills to work on, on technical components does exist. So why not design your product to work with the skills that already exist instead of creating this new, complicated you know, process that really is extremely expensive equipment? Nobody has time for that. No, I think that's amazing. And you kind of touched on it there, but I think one of the things you mentioned earlier was that this transition needs to be global. But also, I think the collaboration side is interesting. You've already mentioned wind energy, you've mentioned solar energy, different things. And I think something that we focus on in the podcast um, and as a business is how all of the different pieces of clean tech work together. Um, and the fact that none of them really are a standalone answer to a problem. But you actually, with battery tech, fit in the middle of a lot of them. So how have you found that kind of the collaboration perspective of all of these different facets of clean tech? That's a really good point to make. I think conversationally, people tend to like to think of things as this is the best or this is the silver bullet. But energy, like many other things in, in real life, there's no such thing as the perfect solution. There are things that work really well from very specific contexts. So with energy, we expect that the future of energy, just like the past, will be a mix. What we are trying to do is make sure the mix is clean or at least clear. Batteries also will be part of the mix. Batteries will form part of the puzzle for storing the clean energy to allow you to use it when it's, when it's most viable. Batteries will not be the only technology that will do that, but they will have some strengths that will make them very viable for other things. So we try to spend a lot of time focusing on where energy storage with lithium-ion batteries that are serviceable, making the most sense, and we try to contribute in that space. I, I always find it dubious when you, you try to sell your solution as the solution for all things and everything. It's just not true. Nothing, nothing works like that. We have a fundamental problem that we are trying to solve. We live on a planet with a limited amount of stuff. So we want to build our products that use and extract as much value from the stuff that we make as possible. And a great way to do that is to make it easy to fix. 
Totally. And also aligning it, I guess, to the to the relevant solution in the relevant parts of the world. You know, you're aligning it with solar in Africa or the Caribbean and aligning it to wind can work in the UK or the Scandinavian countries. So it's it's something that integrates with lots and lots of different renewable options, but relevant for the right part of the world. So you can really maximize that energy usage. A good approach always is to understand the problem because whenever you understand have a good understanding of the problem you see how a solution could actually touch on many markets because many markets often share or are kind of touch on similar problem sets but you know people like to think about things in isolate i guess it's easier but if you think about a problem more holistic think about it as a global citizen i think that's a really good way to start seeing the world Lines and divisions are human constructs. We live on one rock, and the rock doesn't actually see the lights. The rock operates as one thing. So we need to start developing solutions that consider the whole problem. A great example of that is how batteries are used in Europe versus you know, the developing, developing markets to store energy when it is most viable. In the emerging markets, the, the most viable or cost-effective electricity is solar in a lot of these places. In the European market, sometimes the most cost-effective energy is based on very specific bands of time because at that time, the energy was cheapest to produce. The battery doesn't care. The battery will store energy when you tell it to and allow you to use it when you ask for it. So, so you don't even think about your product as an emerging market solution or a developed market solution. Think about all of them. I think of how you can contribute. So essentially, a battery is very well behaved compared to a lot of these other options. Well, the, the battery is more considerate. It, it thinks of its entire life as opposed to just when it comes out the pipe of production. Fantastic. And thinking about being that global citizen, obviously, you've lived in a few different countries. You've lived here, you lived in Barbados, you also studied in Trinidad. Thinking from that perspective, when you look at your career to date, are there specific things from those places or people from those places that have inspired you to, to really commit yourself to this journey? It is an interesting point. I think the places that I, I've grown up or spent a lot of time have shaped my view or approach to the world. Um, particularly, I can say from the Caribbean, one thing living in the Caribbean has taught me is, is how to work with the hand you're dealt. You, you have a set of resources, this is what you have. You need to learn how to be very crafty with the resources you have. And it has it has really been a, a real strong point and, and a really useful mindset to have. Because oftentimes people say, oh, I'd like to do this, but I don't have X, Y, and Z. Well, what do you have and what can you do with what you have? That's such a, a more positive spin to put on things as opposed to focusing on what you don't have. Because most of the time, we do start life with different resources, but we don't start life with absolutely nothing. We just start with different cards. Think of it like a, a game of poker. Not that I'm advocating the gambling, but we all get the concept of having being dealt different hands. It doesn't necessarily mean you can't make a certain contribution or progress a certain state because you didn't get that, that ace that you wanted in your hand. You might need to play the cards a little bit different, but a big part of playing the cards a bit different starts here. 
which is that whole mindset of working with the hand that you're dealt. So I would definitely say that's one thing the Caribbean market has taught me. And the European market, I think collaboration is has been one really strong point that that the European market has really kind of honed in. You, you don't you can't you can only get so far working by yourself and operating in isolate. Really having conversations with different partners and seeing your competitors less like competitors and more like colleagues in the same space, especially when it's an early it's an early or emergent market, is a far bigger mindset to have. You learn a lot faster. You you get a lot further as well with that collaborative mindset. And I think more so than almost any other industry, we're seeing that where you could be going up against a very similar organization striving for the same thing, but you both know that the world's big enough for both of you. And if you can support each other's growth and development and technological advancements, it's it's only better for both of you. Whereas I think if you look at so many sectors, you know, people really going against each other. And I think the last year's taught us some of the big pharma companies stepped up and shared things they would have never shared in the past. And we saw how quickly it it accelerated development that you never ever would have believed was possible. And I think we're really seeing that in clean tech in the European markets, but globally to an extent where people are really open to to giving away things that would have traditionally been, you know, very much behind closed doors. Yeah, definitely. When you start thinking of, of what you do or what you can contribute as a global citizen, you know, you start thinking about the world less as uh, geopolitical divides and more as a, a rock with X amount of stuff. You realize that there's so much to be done <laughs> that there's not there's actually no point in squabbling about what you can secure in these small segments of the world that you've grown up or you've gotten used to. There's just so much work to be done. Your actual problem is that you don't have enough hours in the day. You don't have enough life to live to do all the things you'd like to do. And what that suggests is you probably should start talking to people who can help you amplify what you're trying to achieve. That's what collaboration is about. It's about amplifying your ability to achieve. Massively. And thinking about that from a perspective of the future and moving forwards, like what do you envisage over the next few years for, I guess, for energy in the world, but also for the clean tech space and the challenges that it's tackling? I'm really excited about the future, as I mentioned really early, because this is one of the, the first times that we actually have the ability all the way down to the homeowner to, to make you know, specific choice decisions about how we want to power our lives. I'm really looking forward to how that scales in the next 30, 40 years. I'd like to think that when I'm grandparent age, I can look back at grandkids and say, I remember when smoke used to come out of the back of cars. And they, they look at me confused. Like, I, I want us to get to that point where we've progressed so far within a lifespan that the future we live in is unrecognizable to our, our, our grandchildren. That's, that's where things feel like progress, particularly from a clean tech perspective, not a dystopian future. And that's also an example where it could be, you know, unrecognizable. And if we don't make some of the decisions that we need to make today, we could, we could end up in that place as well. So what I'm excited about is that we actually turn the tide on this and we create a much cleaner, better future where we make jokes at how we used to live as opposed to 
reminiscing on the past. And I think one of the key things there for me is getting younger people excited by this challenge and prospect and those brilliant minds that are coming through and the creative ideas. And like you say, for me, again, I agree, it doesn't matter what cards you were dealt as a child. And sometimes I think actually those that, that were dealt the hardest hand have the most creativity because they had to make do encouraging those people to come into this sector and into clean tech and bring their ideas and innovation and entrepreneurial kind of spirit is what it's going to take to make that real difference. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say when it comes to, to the younger, the younger audience, as well as the older audience, to be honest, now, now is not a time to, to, to see gloom and doom. A big challenge is also a massive opportunity. A lot of people are always struggling in life with this whole sense of purpose. We, we don't have a, a problem with purpose right now. The, the challenges we face are very, very clear. The question is, what are you going to do about it? That's something to be excited about, in my opinion. Another thing is pace, especially for the younger audience. I think it's easy to get frustrated with the pace or cadence of things, but you have to look at the cadence of things in context to how long things tend to take to happen. Most substantial achievements, civilization-wise, have occurred across lifespans. The challenge with humans is that we live too short to see the full impact of our life, but we live just long enough to be dangerous. You make a very valid point, and I think your story and the story of Acceleron and the story of so many other clean tech companies, I hope, will inspire those people and actually... You made a second very valid point. It doesn't need to just be the young people. We see some amazing people have career changes in their 40s, 50s, 60s and manage to make a massive impact because they've been there, they've seen it, they've lived it, and they've had experience of seeing other sectors do the right or wrong thing and, and push themselves into this path. Yeah, it's, it's all about starting to see, you know, as a global citizen, what is it I can contribute, you know, while I'm here? It doesn't matter how long you're here. It's just a question of what can I contribute while I'm here? Why do you even want to contribute, you might ask? Because as a global citizen, your existence is consumption. We like to point at big companies and governments and organizations, but a human life is consumption. You, you consume resources just by your existence. So the least you can do is contribute a little something while you're here. And when you start seeing your life like that, you know, it, it does change your perspective. It gives you a real sense of purpose, a reason to get up in the morning, regardless of what the news was yesterday. And another thing that's always important is just to look at what are the opportunities out there. So we are hiring, we're always looking for people really excited, young and old, who want to contribute something. And we're not the only ones. There are lots of other companies out there looking for people who who want to make a contribution within the time they have. And speaking back of Acceleron and the fact that you're hiring and growing and pushing forward, what's the vision? Like, where do you see yourselves going? Well, for us, we started with a vision of making more sustainable batteries. We're really looking to evolve that vision without, without teasing too much too early. It's creating a system of sustainability-focused energy storage. So, you know, that will encompass hardware, but there's several other elements we're going to do to really remove a key barrier to clean energy, which is to do with batteries, the waste problem, as well as the access that different people have to batteries. 
So we're going to look to, to start transitioning from just being a hardware proposition to an ecosystem proposition. I mean, the, the future looks very exciting. So I think for those people considering a career in clean tech, definitely be considering a career in batteries. But I think, you you know, it's an amazing company to join at a very exciting stage where you're really on that tipping point of, of making a massive impact. So I guess on the note of looking forwards, my next thing is your final thoughts. So maybe you can leave your final thoughts for the young people. Yeah, I think for me, if I were to, to leave with, with any final thoughts, and this is for, for, for a younger or an older audience, so I don't think this, this, this snippet needs to, to, to have a specific age attached to it, is start thinking about your environment a little bit differently. We, we grow up in an environment that sets lines and barriers, you know, the countries and, and politics and, and different um, lines are drawn for resources, etc. Start thinking about where you live as a rock with a certain amount of stuff. When you start thinking about life like that, it changes your complete perspective on how you use stuff, what you buy, where you spend your time, what you want to contribute, whether it's career-wise, volunteering, or, or otherwise. It really does change your point of view on the world because the lines and barriers are human constructs. It's just things that we create to help manage and control things. They're not bad, but it is important to, to still keep in mind that, you know, just as the UK needs clean energy, you know, the rest of the world will need clean energy as well. And when you start seeing the world that big, you know, one massive rock that has some other stuff and has some real big problems that it needs people to solve, I think that really tends to hone in your focus and create a, a real drive or sense of purpose. Because this year and last year has been a little bit, let's say, depressing. But when you start thinking about life on a global context there's so much to be done that this this small blip of depression is is minuscule relative to the amount of things and the amount that you could do within the time that you have that's lovely final thoughts and i feel i feel very inspired and i think our audience will feel very inspired so i guess it just leaves for me to say thank you very much for sharing your story it's a very interesting story and it's a different story to a lot of the ones that we've had on the podcast. So, um, yeah, very enjoyable listening to it. And I, for one, I'm really, really excited to see what has, well, what the next few years has in store for Acceleron and the differences that you can make, but also the clean tech sector as a whole and that contribution that, that you and your colleagues are making is fantastic. So thank you. No problem. Pleasure is mine. Thank you for listening to Conversations in Clean Tech, brought to you by Brightsmith. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others to find the show. For more information on Brightsmith and how we can help you to build a sustainable future through identifying, attracting, and retaining diverse talent, head over to brightsmith.com. Join us next time for more Conversations in Clean Tech.